Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Undeniable Future Podcast. Joined here by Justice. Another day, another pod. Steve. You know the vibes. How are you guys feeling today, man? Cold? Yeah, it's hella cold, yeah, it's man. It's crazy out, out here. Feels like we're now it actually feels like we're in the tundra. We're in the great white north finally. It's about time. We can't complain. I was forgetting it was winter, man. It was it didn't snow for so long. I was like, oh, but it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking too much. The weather was like, oh really? Yeah, it's no. Yeah. Hold up, wait a minute. Mm. Y'all thought I was finished? Nah, but we'll survive. We're all good. What we got this week? All right. First of all, this week we got our first poll. We did our first poll from from the peoples, and we wanted to know. Well, all right, I'll I'll be straight up. I, I wanted to ask some questions, and then people told me how unclear my questions were in the messages <laughs> all day. But um, what do you mean? Nah, so like, <laughs> so a you lot of these the questions, the responses were uh, that question is unclear, or uh, this question could have been worded better. And I appreciate you guys telling me that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the next time I <laughs> we do one of these polls, we're gonna try to do one every single week. Then I will definitely. Word them a little differently. I was trying not to be biased. And for those that don't know where these polls are at, you can find them at uh, TUF underscore podcast on Instagram. Yes. Yes, sir. So what exactly did they think was unclear in your polls? I see you got some of them. Uh, it was my wording. Here. It was my wording. So, all right, we'll go into the first one. The first one was, do you believe racial tensions since the summer protests are lowering? Some people were like, what protests are you talking about? Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Others were okay, like the way it was now. worded was unfair. They're talking about the farmers' protests. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Said this summer, that was like two weeks ago. But we did get responses. We had seventy thirty, thirty percent yes, seventy percent no. So it seems like people are overwhelmingly thinking that uh, racial tensions have not been lowered. I don't know if you think it's been increased or if it's baseline, but I don't think it's getting better. Is I think baseline? racial tensions just stay baseline. Stay? Did it going down or they going up? They just chill sometimes. Like, they don't just chill. <laughs> there's there's some kind of movement in yeah it's in the matrix. That's true. There's always a movement. Yeah, facts. So one of the responses that we got for that one was uh, somebody said, "I think racial divisions are still trending upwards since Trump is resisting leaving office." Um, I don't know. I would say. Trump resisting leaving office is pro- is definitely causing tensions in the country. I don't know if it's gonna if it's causing racial tensions. I don't know about you guys. Wait, is this is uh, racial tensions like here or in the states? I, I mean, I we're adjacent. You kind of go off on general, them, right? Just mm-hmm. in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I I honestly think it's 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 not getting worse. It's just showing you more of what we were uh, blind to. So the more we try to pretend that everything was cordial between everybody, when when Trump got into power, we kind of showed America what America really is like. Mm-hmm. And then we're trying to refuse to leave office. It's kind of like just showing you the picture of the people that don't want him to leave and the people that want him to leave. And that's what it is. Yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting once we get back out and uh, the quarantines are all gone, maybe next year in the fall, to test out like the how people move culturally. Because right now, everything that's been happening since the summer, this is happening in a situation where we're all really supposed to be at home and not interacting with people we usually would. We're not going to universities, being in big classrooms. And maybe next year, let's say September, when people get out and start interacting again, maybe it's much different. I doubt it, but 
who knows? Yeah, we live in Edmonton, and just recently there's an attack on two um, Somali women, and there's been also instances of white supremacists that were protesting. So these aren't things that we're used to, and I think there's a lot of different factors uh, that are affecting this. From what I can see, the amount of hate has gone up since the summer's protests, and I wonder if it's a reaction from disgruntled extremists. Stats Canada does not have the numbers for this year yet because they only carry the numbers from last year. So we got 2019, and we're going to go into that later on. Do you, do you feel like it's a um, an increase in racial tension, or do you think that we just have more, uh, I guess, more time to see it and follow these things? I think... It's a it's a mix of everything, right? So I think the coronavirus sets a stage for a lot of um, unhappiness to begin with, right? You know, they if say hurt you, people hurt people. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't have, like you're saying, you got a lot of time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you were already mad about something. Well, hey, now it's time to, to air out your grievances, apparently. To militarize. I'm not saying that's right. That's, yeah. So that's, I mean, yeah, I think the I think the coronavirus itself specifically sets a certain stage for a lot of other terrible things to happen. And I think that's why also the protests happened in the summer was because people were, were mad at the system. They were mad at what was going on. And they were mad at, you know, the amount of black death that we were seeing. But that black death was also... It made it, it was magnified by the fact that we all had the time to watch this and see it happen on our TVs, whether it was on the internet, wherever it was, right? So. And you, you asked another question on there about uh, have elected officials done enough since the protest? I think that's probably got, the one that got more pushback, but not being clear enough. I can see how that can be it's a little bit confusing. Have they done enough since the protest? Mm-hmm. Do you want to clarify that a little bit more? What I meant that I meant exactly what I put on there. <laughs> so I, I know, know you meant what you put like on there. Officials, yeah. It can come off a little bit confusing because if you have officials, say we're talking about Edmonton, mm-hmm. have they done enough? I guess if somebody might be reading this and said, okay, what's enough? Does enough mean like, okay, we no longer need to act on these issues? Mm-hmm. Would that be enough? What is enough? Have they done anything? If they addressed them, I guess. I think that'd be easier. Well, that'd be a clearer question. Maybe have they, have they addressed it at all? Are they doing something? Yeah, I mean... Of substance. We had, what, 10% of people said that elected officials have done enough, mm. which I I was... I wanted to see how many people would say yes, to be completely honest. See, like, if there were people that even thought that there was an enough, right? And obviously, some people did. You know, a majority of people were like, no, there's more that needs to be done. Um, I don't think that changes happen quickly, especially when it comes to, to race and uh, racial matters, when it comes to social, social justice, it takes a long time for these things to happen. And usually it takes a long time, then they culminate in something like the, you know, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, something like that. That's a huge change. But I think this, was an, this is an opportunity for a huge change to happen. But I, for some reason, I, I have this empty feeling like politicians aren't doing enough. Not in Canada, I'm talking about in the United States. I think in Canada, we live in a far more equal society than most people believe. Um, I've been proven wrong through this week and some of the things that have happened. And and my stance on that is is changing. <laughs> so Yeah, the, the, this yeah. week, uh, 
there's two Somalis in the uh, Southgate Mall in the parking lot. And uh, members of the Somali community right now are raising concerns that there's a safety issue right now because there's a there's a hate motivated attack, mm-hmm. and you saw two Somali women be attacked by a man. Uh, he chased them down uh, because they were wearing uh, hijabs, uh, screaming things at them. And I, I never heard something like this happening in Edmonton. And the leader of the Somali uh, community association actually came out and said as such. He said he's surprised that this happened. He's like I can't believe that we see an attack of my people because of who they are, because of the way they dress. And see, like Edmonton, so that's kind of what you're alluding to, right? Saying that we're seeing things happen that we're not used to, and maybe that's being attributed to, yeah, ab- the political climate, right? Absolutely. And I wanted to go back and see, especially in Edmonton, um, what our hate hate crime statistics look like. And since 2016, hate crimes have been on the way up. In 2015, which just I guess happened to be a special year, uh, there were 81 hate crimes in Edmonton. There were 50 hate crimes in 2016, 66, 2017, 70, 2018, and 72 in 2019. So once we get this year's statistics, I think we'll we'll know more. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to see what this special situation that we're talking about has really created. Uh, right now is obviously a tough time for people. And it would be nice if we could just deal with one thing instead of also having to deal with hate at the same time. I think Edmonton police, though, did the right thing by charging these, by charging that man and charging him with a hate crime specifically. So instead of people getting angry and asking for the police and for the system to do more, at least we can wait and we can, we can watch the court case and hopefully this man gets what he deserves under the law. I'd be surprised if he wasn't prosecuted for this because there was a bunch of people watching, standing by, uh, who actually helped the girls while they're getting attacked. And they said it was very clear he was yelling obscenities at them. By help, you mean beat? Yeah, they beat the hell out of this dude. I saw the video. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, wait a he minute. Up. But mm-hmm. you got beat up? Uh, well, there were some people that were there that were very unhappy about the situation, yeah. So did those people get charged? Um. I don't know. They didn't talk about those people being charged in the police report, and I think that they would have. So that suck. I think that's a hate crime too, right? See someone getting abused, <laughs> and you try to help them out, and you get charged. Oh man, <laughs> that kind of charge you want to pick up? Nah, no. Nah, if you beat up, if, if you beat up someone who's defense, so like no, if like, you see something wrong happening, and then yeah. you're you're defending people who can't defend themselves, then that's not a crime. No, but if you're beating them up because they're being racist, and you hate racists. It was in reaction to what was going on. <laughs> okay, but I, I get, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I think it's. A- but I, but like, <laughs> but if if we did that, then I think the hate crime statistics would probably be a lot crazier, because even like if we look uh, at the I'm just wondering, like legally, do you have a pass to beat up <clears throat> uh, people who are performing hate crimes? Like I don't know if you beat up hate crimes, people who are beating yeah. someone up. Yeah, you do. You do have a, a, a legal right to beat them up. You have the right to, to help defend somebody yourself. who is who's in danger. Yeah, yeah, but these are not the women who would defend themselves. It was like pass yeah, somebody else on their behalf. Yeah, yeah, but it's still defense. Okay, I think that's how you, you practice yourself. Okay, I'm I'm not sure according to like the actual law of like mm. you know Edmonton or whatever or or Canada what the I mean or Alberta what the law is there, but I'm sure that would be that would be interesting because what you're saying would also depend on what they consider hate crime to be. So I did just say the statistics of, you know, hate crimes over mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But also 
it would be nice to know what what is considered to be a hate crime. Yeah. Because I think that's also very important. I think that the line is drawn at assault. So you can say whatever you want hatefully. No, you can't say whatever you want hatefully, but if you're speaking hatefully towards someone, I can't just like punch you in the face you said something crazy. Mm. But if you touch me, then it's all... So, so it's like the N-word, and somebody comes and says the N-word to you, and you punch yeah. them in the face. Yeah, and if, if they say the N-word to you and then punch you in the face... And you punch them in the face. Then that carries a far higher... No, but if you punch them in the face. They just say the N-word, and then you punch them in the face. You're talking about your reaction to somebody yeah. you say... I don't I, I, I don't know. If they just say the N-word to you, then you attack them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think that becomes a very... Yeah, that's a very, like, uh, weird place. But if someone says... If somebody punches you in the face, that's assault. If somebody punches you in the face and calls you the N word, that's a hate then crime. That's a that's a hate crime. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but just to drop that section, I think it's it's cool at least when the story happened. There's a lot of places where this kind of thing happens, and you you see people cheering it on, or jumping mm-hmm. in. Here, like seeing two people being assaulted because they're wearing a hijab or because they're from a certain certain racial group, mm-hmm. that's weird to us. We're like these people are crazy, and I think that's like the consensus right now. So that's that's at least a positive you can take away from it. Yeah. No one's looking at this being like, oh yeah, that's okay. What's the problem here? I think everyone sees the problem and mm-hmm. has a step forward at least. So it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, exactly. I and shout out to Edmonton Police for sure for recognizing the situation as it was. All right, next topic is Johns Hopkins University finds proof that Johns Hopkins owned slaves. So the university believed that its founder was an abolitionist but have now found proof that he owned slaves in the 1800s. Shocking. <laughs> Census records show Johns Hopkins owned one enslaved person in 1840 and four by 1850. Uh, this information only came to light due to the university's effort called Hopkins Retrospective with a mandate that of deeply exploring the university's history. Other universities like Virginia Military Institute and Duke have already already taken steps to remove Confederate memorabilia or renaming the dorms. Uh, Ronald Daniels, the university president, said on YouTube uh, earlier this week that the revelation, the revelations change our understanding of the of our founder. Uh, they do not change the nature of what the institute represents. Yo, Steve, give this man a crowd, man. Give this man the crowd, Steve. <laughs> yeah. He didn't earn the applause. I don't know if he earned the applause. I'm going to stop asking for crowds out here, bro. <laughs> I'm never asking for a crowd again. My bad. I, I like the last sentence, though. He said, he basically, he's like, this guy, he doesn't represent the school. We're no longer relying on his name to carry ourselves. That's yeah. true. And I think it also says something about the way that they're going to move forward. They're not thinking about, oh, you know, are we going to take the name off the building, you know, stuff like that. They're more worried about, hey, this is what our institution represents. Even since him, our institution has done so much great. This is probably one of the most important, you know, medical hospitals in America. So we have to, like the, the godfather right now, of North American hospitals, apparently, Johns Hopkins. Yeah, right now the, the system that, trained in- that CNN is using right. to calculate how many coronavirus cases are around the world. That comes from Johns Hopkins University. So this man was the founder. He initially was the one who put in his $7 million to start the university. But there's so much, there's so much greatness that has happened there since then. How much of that technology is accredited to him, though? 
feel like that's kind of like new stuff, right? Um, I'm not sure, but I I would say because to, it, he had to found it, yeah. right? So I don't know if you can put like a, a a value on on that, like his seven million dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. Because without that, then it wouldn't exist in the first place. But then there's the question, obviously, of somebody else could have founded something similar. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I think we should care about his racial history for sure, and we should. And it's I love the fact that the university is the one who came out and said, "Yo, this is our history. We found this," and it wasn't, and they didn't wait for somebody else to find this information. Yeah, they jumped. They jumped the gun. I disagree with you a little bit as far as like we having to know his racial background, because honestly, I look at Johns Hopkins. I didn't know the university was actually named after a guy because. First of all, Johns. I don't know anyone with the name Johns. <laughs> I guess back in the day, that was a more popular name. Yeah, okay. I think if you polled most people, even most people who read this story when it came out, uh, I think it was New York Times who posted it initially. Mm-hmm. They didn't know anything about Johns until they read that story. So he's inconsequential to the point where we're only learning, we're learning new history as if we're, we're fixing mistakes that we learned in the past, but nobody learned about Johns Hopkins' past in the first place initially. Like we, yeah. about him being... Um, He's a philanthropist. He gave money here. I think he had a, uh, a school for black children only who were orphaned. I didn't know about any of that until this came out. So I wanted to look into the background. Yeah. But I think we're, we do a lot of, um, if I you keep look, saying we. If you look into the background, the reason they, they thought that he was an abolitionist is because his father was an abolitionist, a staunch abolitionist. You think it's in the blood? So they, I guess they had made the assumption that he had the same beliefs, and then they found out that he he owned slaves himself. There are actually a lot of abolitionists who did own slaves, including yes, uh, yeah. Jefferson. But <laughs> I, I think that uh, apart from what he did, I think obviously it's terrible if you own slaves. But yeah, this guy and the battles we're fighting of like, oh, let's change the name of this school from the 1850s. Like, there's things happening today that we completely ignore, and we're talking about battles that happened 250 years ago. Like, the guy's dead. The school mm-hmm. no longer stands on his name. There's issues we can address right now that are actually important, and the name of the school doesn't change anyone's well-being. Hopefully not. Hopefully you're not like sitting at home stressed out as a student because you heard this news. Yeah, that, that's the part that that for me I think is a bit far. When people say I don't know how to feel about the university anymore, you know, like the work you've done now you're challenging what you've done because of the name connected to it. Like you're saying, I think the university is so much more now because of what it's been able to accomplish since then. It's accomplished a lot. I think there's a there's a very, uh, uh, I guess, a limited perspective that we can come through with because of our own history. But I think if you're directly linked to like slavery and stuff like that, you may have a different understanding of what that means and what that has meant for you and your family uh, throughout the years. So I guess finding that out can actually have a bigger impact on someone who's family had to go through that compared to someone who's looking from the outside the shame of that though is if we're addressing that and saying like oh, wait like uh, the three of us here yeah none of our family descended from at least american slavery mm-hmm. but if you look at an american a black american right now and say it take it takes a uh, take something different to trigger my feelings right when i see this it hurts more because i have a history of it right yeah but the entire nation was built through that so every university you see that was yeah. built every ivy league university that's the history the whole the constitution that's the history so you literally be picking out everything that exists in america and you can find a way to connect to racism because it is so if you want to react to everything one by one as it comes out 
you're gonna spend the next however long you the have. The words on this "America earth. was built on slavery" aren't by any way an overreaction. No, it's not hyperbole. It's it's a yeah. fact. But we can get over the fact if you figure out ways to succeed today and move forward today. Yeah, and or I, you can let things defeat you. That happens. Isn't like some of the stuff in the Constitution the reason why we have what we are facing today, like the mass incarceration of uh, African Americans. That's what I'm yes, saying. Yeah. yeah. So if so you can if, point at that and say like that's a vestige of racism. Exactly. So if if we like if we don't address these things um, and say oh there's so many of them if we go pick them apart we're going to be offended by every single thing that means we we won't get to the bottom of. I think no. What I'm saying is you can't pick out things like the name of the university. Changing yeah. the name of the university is not going to do anything. If you're looking at a constitutional right. amendment, mm. that's movement. But changing Johns Hopkins to I don't know West Baltimore University, congratulations. What did you really do? Yeah. Wait till you find out who Baltimore was. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I think Lord Baltimore. I think yeah. in general too, um, and like we're saying we can't speak for black Americans, of course. Yeah. But I think in general, it, as black people, if we want to move forward, we have to take more self responsibility for ourselves and not be so worried about these things that happened in the past in a way that we feel like it affects us today. Today, we have control of our situation and we can do something. And I, I think that gives us more power than wanting to be victims. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to stay on this topic too much longer. I just want to yeah. hit, because we made a joke about uh, Baltimore, changing the name of the school to West Baltimore University. Mm-hmm. Steve said, wait until you find out who Lord Baltimore is. Well, Lord Baltimore is an English politician and colonizer <laughs> in the 16th century. Oh, man. So we would have yeah. had to change that name. So this is basically what I'm talking about. Like we change it to West Baltimore University. Like, oh, how about who's Baltimore? Let's change it again. Yeah, you gotta do a whole thing. <laughs> there are better things to fight for. There's, yeah. there's better things to fight for. And the the, the last uh, short topic we have here is uh, Antoine Griezmann, French soccer player. He actually left his uh, Huawei sponsorship uh, this week because of their treatments of uh, Uyghur Chinese, allegedly at least. Uh, Huawei is a tech company operating in China. And obviously, the CCP has a lot of control over how their uh, their corporations operate in that country. And allegedly, they're using the face recognition cameras and the tech that they've developed uh, at Huawei to identify people as Uyghurs in an attempt to assist uh, police in capturing these people and putting them in detention camps, allegedly. So Antoine Griezmann, in a surprise, uh, I guess put his money where his mouth is, walked away from his contract, is no longer affiliated with Huawei, so... Yeah, I thought that was a shock. That doesn't usually happen a lot of times. Flip service. Did Huawei sponsor him? Huawei was sponsoring him. Okay. Until now, he left the sponsorship. How much cash did he lose? I'm not sure. I didn't see how much money he was getting paid on that deal. But he's a he's a primetime player. He gets paid about hundred fifty thousand dollars, hundred fifty thousand pounds a week. Mm. So any kind of sponsorship deal he's making is probably going to be. It's probably serious. Yeah. Seven eight figures. It's going to be a lot of money. That's that's definitely interesting. I think. In general, especially in the Western world, we're we kind of like give a blind eye to what's going on right now in China and the Uyghur concentration camps and just a lot of other things that are going on in that region, to be completely honest. But specifically this problem, it's crazy how many people don't really talk about this or don't know at all. Yeah, especially because of the the population of East Asians we do have in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's actually where I I usually wouldn't have looked into, you know, Chinese news, what's going on with Uyghur uh, Muslims, but a lot of my friends, especially where I went to school, I went to school in BC, uh, would bring these issues up. And if it wasn't for them, I would never would have cared 
or looked into any of that stuff. And I'm looking at it like, if these were black people in the same situation, mm-hmm. how, how moved would I be to say something? And to be completely honest, I'd be, if this was happening in Zimbabwe, I'd be so angry. And I'd be like, why is no one saying anything mm-hmm. about this? But because it's people who don't look like me, people I'm not associated with, I think I have less of a connection. And then you just kind of ignore these things, which is a, it's a shame. Yeah, and the amount of power that China has in the world economy is that is the main reason why people are afraid to condemn them for this, especially other world leaders. They feel connected to China some way. Not just sorry, not just some way. They can they know how much it'll affect their markets if if they lost uh their economic connection to China. Yeah. So a lot of people fear that, so they so they think that they can't speak out about this. And that's the worst part. It's almost like we're we're wearing handcuffs when we talk about this because no one's no one wants to do anything about this. And really, I'm not even going to say like, we can't pat ourselves on the back for speaking about it because nothing's going to happen to us financially. There's no consequence for us to speak on this. Even though I think it is a positive thing to talk about, there's no cost for us to say these things. Mm-hmm. But the reason I brought up this story is because Griezmann, I don't know if you know uh, Mesut Ozil, he plays for Arsenal a soccer team in England. And this guy, he came out and said the same thing about the Uyghurs. He's friendly with the, uh, the president of Turkey, Erdogan, who is a Muslim. and He supports the Uyghur Muslims in China. And when he came out and made that stand, the team blackballed him. He doesn't play anymore. He was a great player. And off that point, the team's like, you know what? There's a political issue. We don't want to speak on it. As a matter of fact, we don't want you speaking on it. We're out. Because obviously, China's a huge population. And I think the number was about 50% of uh, Arsenal fans or Arsenal's revenue comes from China and Chinese fans. <laughs> so you make the decision. Do you want to support your guy and whatever values you want to stand up for? Or do you want to say, you know what? We're a business. We're not political. But this also happened in North America with the NBA. Yeah. And uh, you're talking about the Hong Kong? Yeah. So, I mean, that was Hong Kong. But, you know, it's like when people speak out against China, especially when you're part of some corporation, that that can see the dollars. Yeah, they're afraid of doing something. Yeah, so I really have to commend this guy because he might be putting his career on the line for people that he's not directly associated with. Mm-hmm. Something to be said for that. But I thought it was kind of funny that uh, I didn't know about this uh lawsuit until I was reading this story. Facebook was actually accused of spying on people with the same technology that Huawei is being accused of using. The only difference is Facebook in the United States doesn't have a concentration camp that's known worldwide. And they're not using it for those reasons, but they have the same capabilities and they're being prosecuted right now for the same thing. So that's shocking. Hey man, they've been trying to get it for Facebook for a while though. It's not working. Better hurry up before they start <laughs> getting active. They've been trying to get it Facebook. Uh, remember after the 2016 election, um, Mark uh, Zuckerberg had to sit in like the Senate. Was that Senate? Yeah, Congress. Senate hearings. Yeah, Senate yeah, hearings, and then a bunch of old people asked them questions they didn't know anything about. Exactly. So, what is a Facebook, Mark? <laughs> yeah, that was that was hilarious to me because then mm. he just sat there, he looking all flustered the whole time. You know, he just <laughs> yeah, no, no eyebrow having ass. So, <laughs> man's a robot. <laughs> the way he was drinking water was yeah. crazy. <laughs> it was just there, like oh man. But yeah, like they, they, like these lawsuits. I mean, with the Antoine Griezmann situation, right? Right. With his, uh, I guess, stature and, and, and where he's at in, in, in soccer, um, he won't have a hard time finding another sponsor. Um, 
I mean, if you're competitor with Huawei, they, that's an opportunity, especially if you don't have concentration camps that you're, <laughs> that yeah. you're helping uh, facilitate with through your facial, facial recognition, right? Yeah. But getting back to the Facebook situation, like how 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 much is uh, how much of uh, uh, of information did you get on that? Like, it was a hundred million users that they collected information on, and mm-hmm. basically they want biometric data, so they want to know they can know who you are through your keystrokes. So they'll know like, oh, Steve types this way. So if you just like typing on a keyboard, no face, nothing, they'll know oh, this is Steve typing. Oh, it's like metadata. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, Facial, like, like yeah. oh, what makes you open your eyes wider? That kind of stuff. Yeah. They said that, hey, yeah, we did collect this information. That's a scary stuff, man. Why? But they said it was an accident. They said it was a bug. Why that's is what, that that's why what is that's scary stuff? Yeah. Because like they can know your conversations, right? And they can know what messages you send to your friends. But at the end of the day, what's really concerning is if they have your metadata, so like, you know, we do this pod. Every single every single week around a certain time, we hang out and have this podcast. Yeah. So they can use that information. They can be like, oh, we know exactly where <laughs> Lee's going to be at one o'clock every Saturday. And that's more concerning than it would be for them to be Knowing what you're sending your girl. But here's the thing. I think all of us take this stance to have, to be to, to, to be to be protected, right? But then I've been watching 24, and uh, it's a, it's a series about counterterrorism, whatever, mm-hmm. right? But information like that would actually make solving crimes way faster and avoid a lot of these situations. So it could actually help us in the long run if we know, oh, this uh, uh, user usually frequents these areas, and they've been here this much, and is like tracking, it's not always bad. That, my, if okay. you're not doing anything illegal, my I don't question, see why tracking should be a big deal. My question to you then is how much of your information do you think the government should know? That's where it goes to. Because, yeah, it's it's privacy versus security. Mm-hmm. So the more security you want, the more you lose your privacy. Yeah. So do you want some level of privacy? I mean, Yeah. So then you got to think, okay, then where's your limit? I think the weird thing is everybody has a different limit, right? Yeah. Some people don't want the government knowing who they're sending messages to because, you know, they it's not about whether they're doing something illegal. It's about the fact that they just be sending some greasy images, you know? So they don't want yeah, the government I'm knowing saying that. Like, like if we're looking at national security, like we, yeah. had, we had a situation yeah. in Ottawa where the, that guy went and shot. Uh, the guy who stole the police car. Oh, he can steal a piece. I think he actually made it himself, right? Really? That wasn't Ottawa. That's um, oh Nova Scotia. That was Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about Ottawa. We went and shot like one of the veterans. Shot one of the veterans in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, forgot, I forgot the name. Corporal something. Man, it was happened like 2015, 2016 around there, or, or that maybe. But yeah, so like something like that, right? And then I think he was killed or something like that. But then if you could tell, if you could tell through messages and you could tell through like the chatter mm-hmm. you could save these people right you know what i'm saying or Honestly, the guy who was posting on facebook before he went and ran people over in toronto right with the u-haul van right yeah. stuff like that so if we can protect innocent lives from being yeah like just people running walking on the, on, on, the, on the sidewalk and then some guy just comes running them over mm-hmm. if we have a system that can actually help us i'm like yo do it you because know what i, I felt where, where you are right now that's exactly how I thought. Because I'm like, look, I'm not committing any crime. I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm not doing anything that I should be afraid of hiding from the government, right? Collect mm-hmm. what you want to collect. 
until I listened to Edward Snowden talk about the situation. Yeah, Snowden was my dude that changed yeah. my mind too. He's like, listen, you think your government is going to use this to stop counterterrorism, stop bombing, stop all these things from happening by basically looking into the future, looking into this data and using it to protect you, right? Because you trust your government. Mm-hmm. How sure are you that as they continue to grow in these powers and have more data, more information, that your government's always going to have your best interests in mind? So if you really do believe, like, you know what? The Canadian government, I completely trust them. I do not think that at any point in my lifetime, there's going to be a point so where I don't trust them. Then a fugitive convinced you? Yeah, he is a fugitive. <laughs> you know, he is. okay, what he did, what he, what he did was illegal, right? Yeah. What he did was, what, because of the laws that say there are certain things that are uh, classified. But that what are classified. the U.S. government was doing was also illegal, yes. just for the record. Exactly. That's what he's saying. Exactly. They're breaking the law using and their information. Edwards, and the crazy thing is Edward Snowden right now is still hiding. He is still in Russia. He can't come back home. And he's been proven right in court. So he's still afraid that if he tries to come back home, he's going to be thrown. They're going to slap him. I totally treason. understand what you're saying. It's like right? It, it, so he was actually, I'm not saying what he did was right because it was against the law. What I'm saying is if it wasn't for Snowden, the government would be would be less afraid of looking into people than they are right now. So they'd be doing what they were already doing that was illegal. So if we don't give our, the government limits it's a thing. On, our pers- on, on our personal material, yes. then the government will take it too far at some point. I know. I know what and you're then, saying. And then we'll be... It's, but not everybody's a terrorist. I know. Where you're saying you want the government to... I'm not, I'm not going to say you're saying, but like... The idea that we want the government to track everybody all the time just for that one person who might make a mistake is like saying you want the government to assume you're guilty before you've actually done something wrong. No, I think we 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 awarded people uh, certain rights, right, mm-hmm. at a certain time, and then times changed. And then people start understanding those rights. And then people started finding the loophole behind those rights to be able to do illegal stuff that can endanger the population, Right. So I can defend illegal activity by saying this is my property, bring back a warrant, right? You cannot step on my property. Even though you have probable cause to suspect that I have something, I can tell you to get off my property. Mm-hmm. Right? Actually and then when you come I'm actually back, on that person's side, whether they're doing illegal activity or not, yeah. If you are protected by the fact that it is your property and they need a warrant, but then, then we yeah, gotta, go get the warrant. But we gotta understand Do, that when these the laws are made, the way it should be used. When these laws are made, people didn't have access to the equipment that they can have now that can make it easier to 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 have these uh maybe illegal substances or illegal firearms or whatever it is that police need to get in time before they have to go through the whole process of getting a warrant and getting signed by a by a judge and coming right. back and serving that warrant to that person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So technology has changed. Sometimes it's just information you have on a laptop, right? And then you can fry the laptop or, or, or the hard drive, and then now you can't even recover the information, mm-hmm. right? But the cop had to go and get a warrant. <laughs> so no, now you think that no, you I'm still saying, have these tools. Dangerous people that on the street. The old way of seeing the law, I'm saying I like that. Because that old way of seeing the law doesn't allow them to use new technology to take more and more advantage of us over time. No, but then new technology has come into play. So now people are doing crimes using new technology that it cannot be prosecuted through the old law. Yeah, use the old ways. I'm still with that. Use the old ways. I'm I'm, I'm with you. I think we should help the the officials, right? To be able to catch criminals because the pace of technology for the criminals is going way faster than the cops. But 
you're assuming that it actually works to collect this data, to stop terrorism, to stop murder. Apparently, this is according to the NSA, right? They had to come out, the director of NSA came out and said, the biggest problem we have is we can't connect the dots. Our data collection program has stopped zero terrorist attacks since we've started using it. Because people zero. are fighting it. It has no, 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 no. Even before, before Snowden, knew, even didn't before work. Snowden's uh, court case, yeah. Before that, the government had the right to look into people, right? And even then, and the reason why they that right was created was because of nine eleven. Mm. They were like, okay, we want to be able to, we want to be able to track people to some extent as long as the national security thing, yeah, right. Since then, zero terrorists have been caught. So they're looking into your information, looking into, you know, the images you send, <laughs> right? Where you go every day, what you eat. So we're saying what that kind of food you we're like. only happy they're looking if into they all stop of that terrorists. And they're not stopping any terrorists. If you're going to take this information. <laughs> but there hasn't been a, 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 ter- a terrorist attack of, no. uh, of uh, the magnitude the, of 9-11 ever since 9-11. There it's has been about, terrorist attacks. It's, it's not about, about the, mag- it's not about the magnitude. It's about the fact that none, like zero. Mm-hmm terrorist attacks have been stopped because of this information so what does that tell us that they're obviously it's either the information is being taken they in the look, wrong are, way are they looking at they probably have like you know uh, uh, bigoted people looking at that and not looking at at uh, domestic I terrorism the best I, know. I think they have the best they're, people they're I don't know about at, that they're not looking at dem- domestic terrorism because I think that's the biggest thing since 9-11 I don't think there's been uh, uh, terrorism from out of forces that matches the domestic terrorism in America uh, ever since 9-11 no, but the NSA is looking at people in the country. So it's looking at domestic terrorists if they could find them, but they can't find them. Mm. But this is according to, uh, I'll read out uh, this Keith Alexander. Because yeah, domestic terrorists are protected by, this, by, by the amendment. He's going to tell you, get off my property. No, I'm saying, no. What I'm saying is in movies, it sounds dope, but in real life, it's not it's, stopping it's, terrorists. Look at this guy, man. Trying to say it like I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying like that name, idea. Bro. I'm just saying that idea though. <laughs> it's not, it makes sense in like, in, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. So the director of uh, the NSA, Keith Alexander, he says that this whole attempt to to collect it all, get all this information, <laughs> it leads to accumulation of all of this data, all this information, mm-hmm. and all it does once you collect every single phone call, every single text, every sell single it. email, you sell it. You gotta maybe I'm not gonna say that. I don't have no <laughs> proof of that. It's gonna cost you millions or billions of dollars to look through it, and it makes it harder and harder to look through it as you get more and more information. So if they're specific, saying like we only look for these people or in these areas. You need it would space be to hold precise. all that information yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's cost them a bunch of money for no results, according to the NSA. So that's or not just me saying it. You can sell it to corporations and they can advertise stuff on people's Instagrams. They could, but I'm not going to make that accusation because <laughs> I have no... I'm just <laughs> saying no it's a possibility. They could do that if they wanted. They could. Or they could if use they it wanted. to put people in prison camps like they are in China. So, <laughs> And they might do that here. Don't put it past at any government. That's yeah. why I'm so opposed to the idea of just giving up the information. I wasn't before, but... I thought about it a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I gotta sit and really look into it more. But that's that's a, that's a good point. But I'm still I'm still for like if if they looking hey. if they got facial recognition right. and they are using your patterns that you text and uh, whatever to find, we're not gonna stop them. They're gonna tell us they stop. We still haven't like you talk about Area 51 and and all this stuff that's been out there for years and people still don't know what was behind that. You think they're gonna tell you that we stopped and then st- actually stop? And then actually stop? Yeah. What do you mean? Did you say yeah we're gonna stop? Yeah, we're saying oh, we'll put this bill in place and we'll put another like uh well, yeah we wouldn't get rid of the Facebook camera yeah and then just put it on Snapchat yeah okay, man and then the whole generation that use Snapchat right. you use those guys you're right so we should just give up and let them do whatever they want nah 
So what do we do? I want some answers here, Steve. It's a losing battle, bro. You can do whatever you want, but they still gonna have they write the laws. I, I don't I think you should just, take an L. I, I think because just because it's a losing battle doesn't mean it's a battle worth t- worth you know fighting for. That's because, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Put a yeah. tear to my eye. <laughs> All right. Hey, what did you say? Repeat that. <laughs> say it one more time. I said just because it's a losing battle, it's not. It doesn't mean it's a battle not worth fighting for. Oh, okay. We never know who the leaders of tomorrow are going Give to the be. The applause for that. <laughs> You never know what kind of crazy people are going to be heading the FBI, what kind of crazy people are going to be in control of the CIA, what kind of person we put as president, because apparently we're not very good at deciding who a great president is. And I'm afraid that those people might have ideas where they want to know more of my information. And I want you to need a warrant. Go get your warrant, buddy. And then come find me. We? Then get into my phone. <laughs> We. <laughs> I'm hearing a whole lot of we out of you. Hey, we're hey, not gonna choose hey. a president. We, we, we. I'm a Canadian citizen. I had nothing all to right. do with that. We yeah. don't have a president, first of all. <laughs> I'm just over here watching, eating all my right. popcorn. Hey man, God save the queen always. So, <laughs> so our main topic of the week, main topic is the United States role in foreign affairs. And in unrest in other nations. Just want to go, want to start that one off? No, hand me that ball. Uh, so there's a lot of angles we can take talking about the U.S. and foreign affairs. I heard they're, they're really involved here and there. They like to travel. But what I'm going to address first is the, um, the withdrawal of U.S. troops right now. Uh, President Donald Trump, the U.S. administration, they're pulling uh, U.S. troops out of Afghanistan, uh, Iraq, and Somalia. So that's 4,500 troops in Afghanistan. They're going to put that down to about 2,500. Three grand in Iraq, putting that down to about 2,500. And 700 troops in Somalia who they're planning to move to neighboring countries. And uh, I wanted to know what you guys think about uh, having these troops, like it's been asking for for a long time since the Iraq war started, being brought home. Do you think that it's a positive? What are the drawbacks you see in that? And do you think that we should be paying more attention to it? Because I don't think it's being... Uh, I guess credited in the way you'd expect for something that's been uh, very popular for a long time, bringing troops home, take them out of uh, the Middle East and Africa. Are they, are they being brought home or are they being redirected to other, other areas? Most, most of the troops are being redirected and there's a small portion who are actually being brought home. So the troops who are in um, Iraq and Afghanistan, there was a deal, it's called a BECA, Basic Exchange Cooperation Agreement between India and the US. And basically what that means is we're going to have an exchange of information, military information, intelligence, in exchange for opening up economic channels. So we're going to trade more with you as India. We're going to have more set up channels to trade. But in exchange for that, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure we watch Afghanistan. We're going to watch Pakistan and make sure that you're safe, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. The troops are going to go from walking the streets of Iraq with AK-47s to chilling on the border of India in case they have to go back into Iraq with ak 47 so that's the difference. But some troops are actually going to end up going home. So I don't want to make it seem like they're all just shifting over yeah, to India. I think the push was to actually just move out completely, right? So I think it's a half win to be like, oh, we're just going to keep one foot in Iraq and Iran mm-hmm. and one foot wherever, India or back home. I kind of feel like sometimes like you can't, they can't leave. Do you, do you feel like that as well? When what? you start this problem, mm-hmm. it's a point like if the US leaves, you see what happened in Syria where you'll cause a vacuum where if the U.S. is the power, if they stand up and say, you know what, we're the ones who enforce the power here. Once you leave, okay, who is it? Yeah, like Libya, man. 
It'd be a one lot, off. yeah. <laughs> well, I got, I got. That's why they should have gone in the first place. <laughs> they should have started in Libya. No, they should have gone there in the first place. Or shouldn't have gone there. Yeah, there's a lot of places they shouldn't have gone. It, in my opinion, at least. But Libya is definitely messing things up. <laughs> I've got a little of a monologue on this, I guess. Yep. I got, I got deep into this. I want to find out more about, you know, just I guess the presence of our lifetime and how um, they've seen war, especially uh, whether they want to get into wars or out of wars. But my my biggest historical hero is probably Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who said in a speech at Riverside Church in New York that the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today is the United States of America. Of course, he was speaking about the Vietnam War back then, but he also said the war is but a symptom of a deeper malady within the American spirit. Ooh. <laughs> That's hardcore. I think Dr. Martin Luther King was right. And sadly, more than 50 years later, I don't think much has actually changed. Um, President H.W. Bush oversaw the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War, and the war on terror, and he passed all those on to our <laughs> to the big boy Barack Obama. Obesey. <laughs> uh, President Obama presided over the gradual drawdown of U.S. soldiers in Iraq, culminating in a near total withdrawal of U.S. soldiers from Iraq in December 2011. For many of these efforts, early on in his presidency, Obama won a Nobel Peace Prize in 2009. In his acceptance speech for getting a peace prize, uh, he said in certain instances, war is morally justified. But Obama's favorite military apparatus, as we all know, is airstrikes. Yeah, you can ask Afghanistan and Pakistan and Libya and Yemen and Somalia and Iraq <laughs> and I, I Syria. Get okay. yeah. We get it, man. We get it. It's a lot. You like, look, <laughs> He didn't want to put U.S. soldiers on the ground, so he thought that, you know, using toys was better. It's better for us. Since <laughs> you like that, that we, who's us. us? <laughs> yeah, who's I'm us? I'm staying with your theme, we and us. <laughs> but President Donald Trump said he was going to come in and pull many U.S. troops out of battle, but at the same time rebuild the country's depleted military. Obama, Obama reduced military spending, and Trump didn't lie as we see that he steadily increased military spending, but he never reached the heights of the Obama administration. The United States still has soldiers on the ground in Syria, Iraq, Cuba, and Afghanistan. So essentially, Donald Trump did not end any of the wars that he said he was going to end. And today, America has 800 outposts in 70 different countries and territories. And they even like to call... The larger outposts, Little Americas. I thought Steve would like that one. I want to know how many of those outposts they were invited to. Ah, I man, wonder. That's a good question. None. No, some of them, some of them they're actually they're friendly to their ally. Yeah, they want the so U.S. They're invited, like you invite the mafia to protect your shop. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Lee finish. I, I'll speak on that later. Go ahead. But every president seems to find himself in a losing position, where he inherits many wars and is aided by generals and military officials that fear leaving war regions might result in a retaliation on American soil. Dr. King said there is something deeper within the American spirit that needs to change 
And in that, I agree, but I wonder if it's too late. You guys already brought this up and said, how are they going to leave, right? So I I think we're in a position now where it's just, <laughs> like the U.S. has started so many battles around the world to protect themselves now. They have to be, or they have to be in different places. So you keep the foot on our necks. These president, every president that comes in is like Canada. Yeah, we're we're not worried about them. No, but I mean, we 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 have issues with (laughs) we are the world. Yeah, we as Zimbabweans, (laughs) we have issues with American uh, sanctions and stuff. Mm. (laughs) So they keep the foot on our necks, just so I'm saying, if they do come up and they say, you know what. Everything is reset. We don't have, lucky we don't have the soldiers patrolling our streets. So it's yeah. not the same as like Syria or any of the countries that you mentioned Obama was sending his uh, Amazon packages to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's just about that casual. Oh, man. But I think like when I said, uh, I wonder how many of these outposts they were invited to. The reason I brought that up is because um, in the case of Somalia, for example, right? They were saying that the African Union, uh, along with the U.S. troops, that's who aided the Somalian government, quote-unquote Somalian government, whatever they, you want to call it. It's not, a, it's not exactly a government, but the Somalian powers at the time, okay. before they were established as a nation, to get back Mogadishu, their, their capital. Mm-hmm. And the forces who are there right now are saying that our training depends on the U.S. training. We cannot defend ourselves yet without the U.S. troops or the African Union troops. So the people who are on the ground in Somalia are angry that Trump is taking these people out, these 700 troops, because they're the most well-versed. They know the land. They know the weaponry. They know how to operate properly. That's and they're com- actually a material benefit yeah, that's a common to being story. in Somalia. Yeah. So some of the cases, like we're talking about Libya, straight up airstrikes for no reason, hitting weddings, hitting school children. Like, that's, that's an issue, clearly. And no one asked for you to come and do that. Are you talking about the airstrike king? Is Obama the airstrike king that we call him? Yeah. Hi, we can give him that crown. Man, there's a lot of Obama airstrike jokes so far. But you have, (laughs) you basically have Sharia law or groups. Al-Shabaab is in uh, Somalia and Mm. it's it's an outpost of Al-Qaeda. And U.S. troops are fighting Al-Qaeda in Somalia. And Somalians, at least the Somalian government, Somalian troops want them there to fight them. So I don't think we can have a blanket statement saying that the U.S. should be drawing down involvement around the world period but you have to look at each case one by one and see which one makes sense like if you're in afghanistan for the last i don't know how long they've been there at this point you're not making any progress yeah we want to leave okay so if you leave what are the consequences what's going to happen to these people because i don't think the u.s is going to be in danger if they leave afghanistan and all the troops come back home the fear isn't like oh they're going to come fight us on our soil i doubt that's going to happen i think what's going to happen is a lot of people who are in afghanistan iraq will face the brunt of these terror cell groups, the extremists who will attack these people before they attack us. I think you're kind of underestimating the effect that 9-11 had on the entire world. The United States specifically, but just kind of everybody. Because after that, America was very afraid. And they're very afraid of something like that happening again. Before that, the, yeah, the last that attack... I don't believe it. The last attack on American soil was what? Um, uh, Pearl Harbor? Think about that. Well, that's, that's attacked long... by who? I mean, the shooting in Vegas yeah, was attacking Americans. The, the, the Oklahoma bombing. By an American. It's an attack on American soil. Mm, okay. The Oklahoma bombings too, 90, the 95, 94. That's the an U- American. U- Unabomber? 
That's an American. Yeah, that guy came from Riley, Riley, uh, yeah, but not still, Riley County. Sorry. Yeah. So you but mean like by by a foreign yeah. entity or what? Or you just being an attack on America? Yeah, I mean by a foreign power. Okay. Because I feel like the idea that's of that's like, what they fear the most, right? I feel like the idea of having like a physical attack, like actual people coming mm-hmm. to attack America, if that's being stopped by having troops in foreign countries, I completely disagree with that. I don't think that's true at all. I think the attacks that are happening are cyber attacks. Talking about Iran, China, Russia. Okay. No one's planning yeah, to hit us with an airplane, but we're planning to attack them through their infrastructure, through their power grid. I don't think that right, we're stopping so, 9-11 part two by so, okay. staying in Afghanistan. If you're France or if you're England, they would, or somebody who lives in those regions, right. they'd be saying to you right now, hey, we have terrorist attacks here all the time. Yeah. What do you mean that, that you know, you're not afraid of it happening here? Because the United States is not France. The problem they have in France right now is all those people who are leaving, for example, Syria, mm-hmm. they're being funneled up into, we see what happened to Greece. Greece completely collapsed. You're seeing what's happening in Spain, Germany. You come into countries, destabilize it. Refugees leave those countries. Some of them are discontented. Some of them are pissed off. And there are terrorist attacks in your countries. So like I was saying before, no blanket statements. Ask why that's happening. Yeah. These people aren't coming to America. We're not letting in 20, 30, 40,000 refugees because we're not right beside them. America's letting in far less refugees now, yeah. Far less. And the, the protection they have from these attacks isn't from being there because the attackers are going to come attack the United States if they want to or not, or if we want them to or not. Because like ISIS... We're seeing civilians right, who are attacking say, the countries now. Yeah, so like if we look at the Islamic State, the way they were able to grow so quickly wasn't by taking people who were already in the Middle East. It was people who were outside the Middle East and saying, hey, come fight, come help us in this fight that we have right now in Syria, right? So I think the United States has the right to be afraid of something like that. What if another ISIS breaks out? Because we see that terrorists now, like you're saying, they're good at using technology. So my fear is that they would use technology and take advantage of a situation where they have the ability to speak to so many people and get people who are, who weren't already thinking about committing a terrorist attack, right. and maybe being like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I'm. I live in Iowa. I'm just, uh, you know, I grew up here, but you know what? I'm against all these ideals that the United States has been pushing for a long time. There are people who are already extreme, and then now they they find somebody who is giving them a message that they wanted, that they want to inherit, right. and they take that message and they go do something terrible." So, like, you you guys brought up something that's very true. There are attacks on the U.S. soil by Americans, but they're not really considering those as terrorist soil. attacks, right. right? Even though some of these people were obviously um, influenced by ISIS. Did you guys hear about this uh, captured ISIS fighter who wants to come home? Like, is the Canadian born? Um, mm, yeah, there was a huge problem with that. A lot of those, <laughs> yeah, and some females too that also moved down there that wanted to come back. Yeah, so like we're talking about how the state is growing. You saying that it's them converting people who are outside of the those nations, like the citizens, so people who may identify with those beliefs outside the were already American citizens or already Canadian citizens, and then growing that way. Um, we have this guy. Um, what's his name? Mohammed Khalifa, uh, he goes by Abu Ridwan, and he was saying that he was captured by the Syrian uh, Kurdish forces in February of 2019, and 
Oh, now he was captured. Yeah, and then he wanted to come oh, back. Okay. He, he wanted he, he wanted to come back mm. to Canada, uh, but he said if he was going to come back to Canada to be tried in Canada, he'd rather stay there. So he's a Canadian citizen. Did he, did he yeah. fly? Did wow. he did he go there on his own will? Or uh, I mean, uh, I'm assuming yes. If yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I haven't and then heard said this he story. Was captured when he was there. There's a lot of stories like this actually within the last year. I've, I've heard about Stevie, the one in um yeah, the UK. He, he, you heard about yeah. that one? The lady with the baby. Uh, is it similar to this? Somebody who she left because her her boyfriend convinced her to join. Then she got pregnant, um, had a baby. He's a UK citizen. The baby is allowed to go back, obviously. And she's like, I should be able to come back with my child. But now you're a terrorist. But she's saying, well, I left when I was 17. I was radicalized. It's not my fault. So I don't know that. Yeah. But then if you want to stop terrorist attacks on your soil, this is where you stop it. Like, okay. Who can we let back in? Why did you go there? What did you do over there? Instead of, all right, let's just pull up in Syria and kill everybody who's trying to come but over even, here. It's but not even what you well. said right there, you said, who do we let back in? Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about the people who are here. Who might who might pick up extremist ideals, right? And then they might do something crazy. So, uh, or the Orlando shooting, right? In the in the strip the club? club. In the was it? Okay, it's a, it a gay nightclub. A gay club. A gay nightclub. Yeah, yeah. That shooting. That person said that he was he was doing that under the name of the Islamic State. If I believe, if I'm wrong, please call me out for it. But I believe that I think that's what he had said. This guy was a guy who grew up in America. Mm-hmm. Who lived in America his whole life, and then he went and then did something you know that grotesque. So if people are doing stuff like this, right, then that means, especially since now ISIS has created a, a playbook for something like this, all it takes is for another group to become large enough, and then be like, okay, hey, we're against the United States and what they believe right now. Some people in the United States are already mad about being American right now. Yeah. Right? And then you just make those people more extreme. You keep on pushing that kind of propaganda. The question yeah. I have is, um, how does U.S. be involved in other countries physically, like having troops in other nations? How does that stop this from happening? Because it sounds like you're talking about an ideological problem where mm. you're having people's minds be changed. Yeah. So let's say there's no troops in the Middle East right now. That doesn't change ISIS' ability to get on a computer and convince people, put out things on Twitter saying like, you know what, you, your country does this, this, and this. Absolutely. This is why you should yeah, you're right. So I feel like whether or not we have the troops there or not, you can still fight the battle against the ideology, but you're not going to fight it with guns. You can't fight ideology with guns. You see what's going on with the war on drugs in, uh, in Mexico right now. When you find a noun and you try to fight that thing, like, oh, we're going to fight drugs. How are you going to fight yeah. drugs? You're going to go down there with weapons to fight drugs? <laughs> you got to go with drugs to fight drugs. <laughs> How you do that? You uh, upsell them? Yeah. Okay, Steve's thinking three. I'm telling you, if, if if you take the drugs and then you actually sell them at a lower price and that is on the black market, you'd run them out of business. You legalize it. Legalize. Yeah. You no longer sell weed in America right now. I'm sure That's the cartel's you, not appreciating you that. You fight drugs with drugs. So, but let's get back to the U.S. involvement. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a strong point for real. Though. What, what yeah. idea would you have then? Because you're saying fight drugs with drugs by yeah. legalizing, right? Talking about the U.S. troops and because I think there's, there's issues there. I think the troops, there's value of them being there. I don't think the value is in stopping the ideological transition of people. I think it's in making sure that if a car bomb pulls up on a town, mm-hmm. there's going to be eight soldiers ready to stop that tracking this. Okay. But I don't think that does much to, I guess, stop the wave of ideology. I think that's completely separate. So what would you suggest if I put you on the spot? Just like say, uh, what would you suggest we do 
as Canadians, as Americans, to stop radicalization? People who live here. Of people who live in the country. In our country. That's tough, because I think, from what I'm thinking immediately right now in my mind, I would say the only way to really stop that is is to somehow limit people's access to social media. Mm. And I don't know if I like that idea at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, but if you want to talk about limiting stuff like that, look at China. Right? So that's, I mean, the, that's the most extreme version of something like that. I like that example. You said, look at China. There are no terrorist attacks in China, at least that we yeah. know of. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure people are pretty and if they are obedient to the law. But yeah. what you sacrifice, like you said, is access. They can't go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the same way we can. You sacrifice freedom. So you sacrifice freedom for protection. How much freedom are you willing to sacrifice? Would you be willing to sacrifice access? A little bit more access for more security? I told y'all, man. Just, just, just allow them to track people. <laughs> Like, yeah. if you're worried about terrorists this much, just allow them to track people. You're not a terrorist, you're good. And that actually protects the people that get attacked who are not terrorists. And, like, we talked about the uh, the situation that happened in South Mall with the uh, uh, people that are just see someone and judge them off their looks and assume that's what they are and then attack them for that, right? Now we have a track record of these people who are committing these domestic uh, uh, terrorist uh, um like, like I, I would say that guy's a terrorist, right? The, the hate crime. The hate crime? Yeah. I don't... Isn't a terrorism, it has to be politically motivated? Well, I guess it could be, right? It's, it's religious, I right? think I think that's a good point, what, you, what you're asking right there. And I, not to... I'll let you continue, sorry. But, like, I think the way we define terrorists... The way we define terrorists mm-hmm. <laughs> is <laughs> very important because is a white guy a terrorist? Is, a, is you know... There's a lot of questions that people have, like, what's actually a terrorist? But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, no, but I mean, when you have uh, um, those people uh, who are different than what Canada would identify as a normal Canadian or the the, the bigoted person would think, okay, this person is different than what a normal, they wouldn't attack me, right? Mm -hmm. But that's because I don't wear the same uh, uh, religious uh, clothing as a different person. So their idea is based on that person's religion. If we can find out that they're probably in a group chat, they're probably in like some sort of like radical uh, um, um, organization or, or, or group that they just exchanging these ideas and they're actually being built up over time. Mm-hmm. If we can track that and stop these people from actually being exposed to that, because what if he had a gun and he didn't need to go and punch the window, he could just shoot and then kill both those women. Those are two right. lives that we've lost because we we don't want to give up access yeah. so that these people can be stopped right that's and and that goes into like freedom of speech yeah how far is somebody's freedom of speech allowed to go we say as long as your your speech doesn't infringe infringe upon someone else's right that's what that's what people like to say mm-hmm. but in this case when we have people like dylan roof we have people who you know we're talking about different shootings in the united states yeah different um extreme events that have happened here in Canada, whatever it is, a lot of these people are found with literally the same items on them as other people who've done the same thing. They all have the Turner Diaries with them. You know, they all have different white supremacist writings from people that they idolize. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying, Steve, like our system exists in a way where we can track this, but we don't. 
right? For some reason, we allow these people to continue on and become more and more extreme. And sometimes our, whether, you know, our law enforcement, where no matter where you are, they are tracking these people, but they don't stop these people. Are they underfunded? (laughs) The FBI? No, No, serious question. No, seriously. They, that's why they're getting okay. defunded. Not talking about local police resources. on the street. <laughs> not using the resources they have at their disposal and the amount of money they get given to actually protect the I, citizens. I think they are under underfunded. If you what? look at certain different aspects, if you if talk you look about at the, the computer of- scientists who work for the FBI, I'm not talking about guys on the street. The people who are analyzing this data, mm-hmm. how oh. much expertise okay. do they have? How many people can they hire to look through this data? How many people can say, you know what, this program we're using is inefficient. We're collecting too much. Yeah, we don't need this. Here's how we can make it more efficient. How much money do they have but here's the to thing. invest in these well, people? Information is always has value. There's no inefficient information. There is. If, you have, to, if you have to pay to get the information, it isn't efficient. No, but what I'm saying is you can always find value for it. So if, if I find out that, oh, Justice has been watching Paw Patrol seven days a week. I haven't. <laughs> and I'm just saying, it's the same you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least you say you're not. I actually give you like a cop show, right? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Now go on. Yeah. Right? And then I'm like, okay, this has nothing to do with any of the stuff that we're looking for. Yeah. But I know that Toys R Us has a sale and they may use this information to target their advertising for people like this who want this. Mm. So now I'm taking that information and instead of just using it for counterterrorism or whatever it is, I'm not using it for the marketing side. But that information like that we're talking about, it's like- a, It's not right. We have Lee <laughs> sending a text to me saying like, yo, I'm outside. And then you have somebody in a group saying, oh, we're going to meet at such and such time to discuss such and such terrorist activity, right? The the fact that Lee sent me that text, yes, yeah, information, is almost literally useless to be collecting that. And that's the problem they have, There's, where there is actually information. Which or is they're like, getting all that. Unless yeah, they're going to sell it, because they can't sell it. That's a lot of information it. they have to scrub through also. Like... People sending puppy pictures. I just wish they looked at it in my text. So it takes like the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, let's put them in our I group mean, chat. Put the feds the, in our group chat. I mean, at the at the end of the day, I think we. Well, yeah, let's kind of see where everybody kind of stands. Just kind of our, our, you know, our last thoughts on this. Okay. Um. Justice, we'll start with you, I guess. What do you do? You think the United States is using too much military power, or has too much military influence around the world? And needs to reduce it. Can I ask a question before I answer your question? Yeah, go ahead, man. Have you watched the movie Minority Report? Yeah. Have you seen it? Yep. Okay, I still won't spoil it just in case people are listening, but I'll give a quick like... Not spoil it. That movie came out 2002, bro. That's <laughs> enough time? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go so ahead, we, we go got ahead, go Tom Cruise. He's a cop. There's precogs who basically can see into the future and say, you know what? This guy's going to commit a crime at this time. Yeah. So you can stop the crime beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like a dystopian future movie where police don't stop you after you commit the crime. They stop you beforehand, which ideally would be great. You don't have to kill somebody to be arrested for murder because we knew you were going to kill him because the precogs saw the future. Mm. So that may sound really extreme, but that's kind of where we're getting right now where we're talking about the U.S. government being in all these foreign countries to show their influence, push their weight, but we're trying to protect ourselves from an ideology, an extreme ideology, right? Mm. Is it okay to let that government, the U.S. government in this case, to have the ability to have all of this money, have all this technology to the point where at some point they'll be able to say, you know what, we're going to go into this nation because our data says this presents a problem. They're going to do X, Y, Z. Let's get in there before it's too late. 
Because I think right now that's kind of what they're doing right now where they'll go into a country where there's no pressing issue that you can see. Like what's going on in Libya? Like, oh, this guy, he's going to be a problem. Iran doesn't have Western mass destruction yet. They don't have nukes, but oh, you know, I think they're building them. Let's go over there and stop them before they build a, them. I got a feeling. Yeah, I have a feeling. I, I feel something right now. Like that's so Raven. So like, do you, do you think that that's a problem or do you trust that process in the point where when we're doing this in 2050, do you trust it's going to work properly? Because that'll change how I answer your question. I can't answer your question. We'll ask the same question around so we can finish this eventually. I can't answer your question. Yeah? Yeah. Because I already have a fundamental belief that if you're going to stop people from making weapons of mass destruction, you shouldn't have weapons of mass destruction. I agree. You with can't that. have weapons of mass destruction and walk around telling everybody else to stop. That's 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 hypocritical. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I I I mean the to answer your question would be America shouldn't be there in the first place because they have nukes. Okay. Right, let me answer Lee's question now. Um, I I think the U.S. Uh, like I said earlier, I can't say as a blanket statement they shouldn't be, shouldn't be involved in uh, foreign countries mm-hmm. or they should be, but I think that they should be involved where they're asked to be there. If the allies in the country are asking them, you know what, we need you for protection and you're giving benefit to our nation, stay here. But if you're invading a country and you're sending Harrier strikes into the country, you don't have people on the ground, you're not losing anything, then obviously I think you should leave. But there's a lot of bases. You said there's 800 bases? U.S. bases? There's 800 different... um, Outposts. Outposts. Seven countries. Yeah. And a lot of those... there's, There's 80 bases. And a lot of those I think are... Situations where, for example, like South Korea, mm-hmm. like, yeah, pull up. You're our guys. We have a problem with North Korea. We have a problem with China. Help us defend South China Sea. They want them there. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of cases, I think, when the U.S. is just taking up space because not to protect those people, not to protect Americans, but to further their interests. That has nothing to do with saving lives or stopping terrorism. I think that's a lie that's told in order to sell the idea, and a lot of people buy it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that's the case. Where they'll say, we're here to protect Americans. If we leave, something crazy is going to go on. But really, it's we want to make sure we can protect Israel so we can have a port in this region on the Mediterranean. I think that's what's going on. But all right, that's just my thoughts. Steve, you gave your answer. I think, um, oh, answering your question, Lee. Yeah, go ahead. Can I ask your question again? Yeah, I said, do you think that the United States military mm-hmm. power or military influence around the world is too much? And should they reduce it? Absolutely. And this, I've kind of like pushed back on Jesse's point when he said where they require they should go. I don't think they should go anywhere. I think you should engage in military when you're threatened. Mm-hmm. You should just keep it on, on bay. Like if, if, if you are, um, like who's requesting it, right? Because you have people who may decide to have, like we have an issue with Al Qaeda, which was uh, funded or allegedly funded and, and, and weaponized by the USA. Like somebody requested you create an enemy. Yeah, right? Okay. And then they go and create that problem in that region mm-hmm. and then 20 years later that problem is actually <laughs> and peace, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, don't get involved in the first place. Let those countries uh, figure out their own stuff. If there's... Go ahead. I raised my hand. I don't want to cut you out. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Me... <laughs> I, I want to ask you a question. You said... <laughs> Don't uh, answer three questions at once. Go, go, yeah. Steve. Go. <laughs> you, you said don't get involved unless uh, wait, don't get involved at all. Don't get involved unless it's affecting you directly. 
Like if it's in your backyard, then you gotta get engage in military. I think a lot of these cases though, it's not really a choice. It's I'm your allies or NATO NATO countries, right? Yeah. I'm your ally, so I literally have to put a certain percentage of my military into defense as a group. So a lot of these places, like not only are they being asked to be there, mm. but they have to be there according to the deal they made. And maybe so, maybe so, you're saying they should get rid of those deals. That's no, that's if, point, if, right? if if that's the case, because here's the thing: we're looking at America as the only one that has the troops in those places. When we're talking about, I think. So if it's a NATO thing whereby it's allies and it's like, oh, there's Canadian soldiers out there too, there's uh, uh, um, British soldiers, there's French soldiers, like the people are part of the allies and they're all there okay, to protect a certain uh, 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 agreement they've had, then yeah, go ahead. But if it's to say, oh, we suspect mm. that you guys have weapons of mass destruction and then I- we go through four countries in that region... Don't yeah. find anything. <laughs> Don't find anything. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, like to right. Steve, right? When it comes to um, military action in general, there's a lot of gray area because of what did is this that they did too far, or is this? There's a lot of gray area. So I think Steve is saying like just in general. Just in general, think, yo. Just you don't think mind, the United States should put their nose where where they shouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> All right, because right yeah. now we have people complaining about what's happening in North Korea, but North Korea got got some toys. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody going over there to get that uh, Amazon package. <laughs> That's Jeff Bezos special, you know. You don't want that. They don't deliver yeah. to North Korea. You want the, you want no smoke. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the. Other- <laughs> no, I'm Are you gonna answer your own question? What do you right, think, man? Don't set us up. Get the military coming <laughs> no, to look I'm for kidding. us. <laughs> They're not coming to look for us. They're listening right now. Trying to get us to lose our jobs. From from my point of view, I think the United States has put itself in a position where completely leaving um, certain regions and not using any military force at all is very difficult, right? They want to be the most powerful country in the world. They want to have the, the best military in the world. And because of, these, because of that, they, they feel like they need to act in a certain way. So that power that they have given themselves requires them to be around the world in different places and defend their own interests. Yep. I don't think that I I'm hoping that presidents in the future and just leaders, even Congress, because it takes an act of Congress to go to war, decide that, you know what? The United States should pull back a little more. Um, president Barack Obama, you know, going after obesity again. Yep. <laughs> At one point, he said, because he was somebody who actually pulled back the military as much as he could during his time. And he said that the United States could absorb another 9-11. So Jesse was saying he's not too afraid of it. He said, he said what? What, what did Obama say? <laughs> <laughs> he run, said run that the United back. States could absorb <laughs> another 9-11. Another 9-11. Yeah, people are going to die. <laughs> It's just terrible, but like inevitable. That's the president. <laughs> so he's like, it is what it is, basically. Yeah, but yeah. from shout from, out to Vanessa Hudgens, yo. From my yeah. point of view, I think the United States has put themselves in a very tough position, and it's a hard position to get out of. We can easily attack them and say, hey, this is they should be they shouldn't be there and there and there, but they need to start working on using less military force around the world. Especially when it comes to denuclearization, 
I'm a person who's very afraid of nuclear weapons. And because- I'm like level the playing field, bro. You can't have two people have nuclear wars and then, uh, nuclear weapons and tell everybody else not to. No. The thing is, there's only certain countries that can even like afford to have nuclear weapons. Yeah, but if other countries have them, then level yeah. the playing field. Mm, okay. There's easier ways to do that, though. You can just be like, yo, if those two countries have it, yo, pick a side. That's no, what kind of what's happening but right then, now. I, but then what happens is those 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 countries get to, to dictate what happens yep. in the countries that are on their side, which is not freedom now. You chose my side. Now that's well, freedom. If you want freedom, everybody got to have a gun. Which is why really today, <laughs> which is why really today we live that in happens. a world where there are only three actual superpowers because they have more nuclear weapons than everybody else. That is the one trump card that they can use no you matter need what. need more. You just need one. Who's the third? Well, is it Russia? <laughs> you just need one. Is it is it Russia? It's the US, United China. States, United States, China, and Russia all have a solid. I wouldn't even count them as a superpower at this point. Yeah, so y'all Russia? 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 Like Anybody that Remember can destroy the world with nuclear weapons and also has veto power in the UN is a superpower to me. What about the Kim Jong un? Fair. This guy's a wild card, man. Yes. Yeah, that guy is, is a wild it? card. But we also have to remember that. He understands that attacking the United States is a sure destruction, and if yeah, not, and if not a sure destruction, he gets destroyed. But then <laughs> South South, South he, Korea is, is allied with the United States, and they can't just blow up the whole thing. The, the U.S. That's true. <laughs> I don't think anybody using nuclear weapons is ever a good idea. That's what I'm. I'm really scared of nuclear. Weapons. Hey man, we we gonna leave this planet <laughs> at some point and have some yeah. space war. Like uh, Trump, Trump was studying his space. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> no, space war, he's getting ready. So, but the last, the last thing I say though, space force. People think the space force is a joke, man. But we'll see. We'll need it. Uh, Star Wars, freaking mm. golden swords and shit. The last thing I'll say is don't underestimate They're wearing a crazy camo. person, because you know, like the we were talking about Pearl Harbor earlier. The, yeah. the kamikaze attacks. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have a plan to go back. So we talk about, oh, it's true destruction if he attacks us. There are a lot of people yeah. who are willing to sacrifice their life for their ideology. They'll, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that, Justice, because every single time I've had a conversation about nuclear weapons with this dude, he's like, ah, I'm not afraid. I'm people. not. I don't even fear that. <laughs> and then he goes into game theory and numbers, and I'm like, bro, <laughs> dumb people don't care about your numbers, man. <laughs> No, but he's right because then you yeah. look at uh, um, the reason why the war has dragged on for so long mm-hmm. is because you're fighting to protect, they're not fighting to protect, mm. right? And if you if, if if you're fighting someone who's who's coming to take you and and themselves, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it's like boxing somebody yeah. who likes the pain. You hit him in the yeah. face. Like, yeah, please another one. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with this dude? <laughs> Yo, you know, so this is the this is why I'm here. Punch yeah. me more. <laughs> like, what? These are the battles we have to fight. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're going to go into our other news of the week. Um, we said we we're going to talk. stop talking about Donald Trump. Justice, that's not going to happen. Did we talk about it? <laughs> we I don't think did. we talked about it today. I did. You did. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, you dropped the yeah. ball again. Hey, Come on now. I, I always this drop is, the This ball. is the last time, thing, okay? Bro. This is the last time. <laughs> I apologize to the viewers. It won't happen. Well, <laughs> we have Texas versus Pennsylvania, which was Donald Trump's pretty much last ditch effort. To try and uh, change the election. Are those two states? Yeah, it was it was Texas's um, Supreme Court battle. So you're telling me the conservative court didn't side with Donald Trump? Thought that was the whole idea. They were going to rescue him. But I think the the biggest thing there is that you know the Republican Party. If you still think that those guys are conservatives, 
then yeah, they don't believe in states' rights. And a good majority of them don't. So you need to start rethinking your uh your views on party side. Elaborate on what happened. Oh, elaborate on what happened with Texas versus Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of the way that um election uh election law works, you can't take something straight to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. if it happened within a certain certain state. So like, let's say Texas, right? So what happened was Texas tried to avert this by saying, okay, we have a problem with these all these states that Joe Biden had won, like the contentious ones. Literally all the contentious ones were the only ones that they put up there. Said so we have a problem with these guys and we believe that they failed at their election process. So since it was a state-to-state problem, it was raised up to the Supreme Court immediately. And if oh, Donald Trump had won... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Yo. if Donald Trump had won so that think, case, yeah. it, he would have been able to avert what's going to happen literally Monday. Because Monday, the electors are going to make Joe Biden the next president of the United States. So y'all think, uh, what, what's that? What was the lady was the Supreme Court who passed away? Britta? Ginsburg. Ginsburg, right? Yeah. Y'all think that was a, a coincidence? Yes. <laughs> Justice hey, did not. Justice did not. He doesn't like my Kieran theories, eh? This guy does no. not like my theories at all. Didn't let me. Didn't even let me cook, bro. I didn't, you don't even know yeah, where that question's down. going. You ask me a question, I answer. Bro, you ask me a question, I answer. That's that's you, all you, you ask. Think for. Trump is opportunist to just like realize what it was and it's like you know what, Mitch McConnell's go put her. What's what's the Trump new is one? absolutely an opportunist. That's why he put somebody there immediately. Because yeah. Republicans, I think he said, feels betrayed though. Honestly, Republicans said they would never do that, and they did it. <laughs> He's got so, the court at six three right now. He's probably sitting at home like, "Oh, we got this." Yeah, Monday, it's he not gonna like, happen. He was like, "Bro, this was the last card that I had ready." You know, you know, when you're playing crazy eights and you're just holding on to that like <laughs> that one card that's got all those points, but you're like, "Yo, this card's gonna get them though," and then you lose, and then you, now you got forty points. <laughs> yeah. So this guy literally planned this out. In case I lose, yeah, he, oh yeah, he, I'm gonna he take prepared. everything to court. And then I don't even know if that's the case. I think he's like, I'm gonna lose. How can I make people believe <laughs> said, I'm going that to. I won? Yeah, but uh, okay. So before it was what it was uh, five to what? The five Supreme four. Court. It used to be five, five to four. four. Now yeah, six there's three. nine people. Damn. Uh, yeah, but and still lose. But but you have to remember they're judges. We have we still have to say that right. They're not, yeah, and they don't consider themselves political, to be either conservative or <laughs> or liberal. Yeah, right. We're mm. the ones who make those decisions. He's not impressed. Nope. He's not buying that at all. <laughs> we already know. We already know how they vote. Man. But you, see, you want these people that have all the control? They have all the information, all the data. The same no. people, same groups. I don't. I don't want anyone to have yeah. information. But if they do have it, I want them to use it for the right reasons. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just you know what? I agree with you. Then we're on the same side. <laughs> Justin, tell us about him. the Brexit no deal, man. Oh, bad news for the UK. Whoa. Uh, they're supposed to, I, I don't know if you've been following Brexit, but uh, they had this whole idea that, you, you give, know what? Can you give him the good news first? This is... Uh, Just give him the good news first before you drop the bad news. Can I make it into good news? I, I can make it into good news. <laughs> Anthony right. Joshua beat uh, whoever the other guy was. Anthony Joshua <laughs> is the only good news out of the UK right now. He beat whoever he was fighting. Hey, it doesn't got, really matter. They got, won. Rona, they got a Rona vaccine. Man. Vladimir Payet, I think. They have okay. a Rona vaccine. I don't know if that's... Uh, yeah, yeah that, they that's got a lot of good news. And then now drop, now, now drop the bomb. Now yeah. send him that Amazon package, bro. <laughs> 
send now, it to them, bro. They had this idea that, you know what, we're going to leave the European Union because we're carrying all the weight. Mm. The UK and Germany's like, listen, we, we got all the weight on our back. Why are we helping all y'all? Let's leave. But let's let us have all those trade deals. Let us still trade with you guys. No tariffs. Mm-hmm. So basically, we want all the benefits, but we're not going to mess with you anymore. That's like you, you're with a girl, hypothetically, like for a metaphor. You're like, you know what? We don't want to. I don't, I don't like you anymore. I'm not going to talk um, to you. I'm not going to call you. Oh. Except sometimes. When I call, pick up the phone. That's the UK right now. And, and what you, happened was there was no know, deal. And you know, no you, deal. you know, when a, when a girl breaks up, would you be like, yo, I'm cool, man. I'm good. I'm solid. A month yeah. later, you're a little less solid. Yeah. You know, two months later, you're crying in your bedroom. It's been much. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. Lee, you okay? You know what? We'll talk about that when the mics are off. We'll we'll hold that. Steve, make a note of that. Make a note. But uh, I'm the only one that gets hurt. Your break, break, Lee. No, no, he can push through. He can push through. We're almost there. (laughs) But pretty much what's going on right now is that uh, (laughs) the companies in the UK are going to have to pay a lot more money in tariffs and import duties for all their goods. So if you have a trucking company, for example, in the UK, when you come into the country before, there's no tariff. You're selling your goods for a dollar. Yeah. Now you're going to have to sell for a dollar sixty, for example. And COVID's already happening. Businesses are going under. And now the cost of doing business is going to go so much higher. Mm. So right a bad now, time to try Brexit, huh? Well, they've been trying it for like a year now. And it seems like they're I finally mean, coming I, to a conclusion. With, with the COVID and then realizing how much more expensive it would be. It's poor timing. They, they, yeah. tried to, they tried to soften the blow, though. Uh, they were saying, hey, you know, we might make a deal with Canada. and We might make a deal with Australia. He's saying he wants to have a a Canadian solution, which is kind of the solution we have with the UK. Mm-hmm. We're really close. We do get a lot of uh, cuts on certain uh, industries. But as far as Australia, Australia might as well be Burkina Faso. There's yeah. no special treatment between uh, Australia and the US, for, uh, Australia and the UK as far as trade. Burkina Faso doesn't deserve that, bro. Yeah, is that a shot? Chilling, yeah, oh, I was trying to give him a shout out. I mean, we appreciate that. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a shot. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome. Well, thank you for listening to another episode. <laughs> welcome the to the end. Future welcome to the end of the Giant Food Podcast. I just get excited, but you know, welcome, welcome, welcome. That's my thing, man. Come on now. We'll be back next week. I don't know if Lee's going to be able to make it. Uh, we're going to talk about whatever he was trying to say at the end there. I don't going cry. through a lot. I don't cry, bro. Babe, it's okay to cry. Emotions are a real thing. We out. Peace.